Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I am Tim, and with me, as always, is my most artistic and unique friend, Palmer. That is actually correct. That is, that is, you're definitely <laughs> my most unique friend. I don't know if you're my most artistic friend, but you're, ah, sure I am. You're certainly my, I can paint most by the numbers. By the numbers, you say? Yep. Yeah, by the numbers. How are you doing? I'm doing fairly well. How are you? Good, 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 good. That is good, excellent. Good. So we're not here to talk about um, any films from 1928 because <laughs> the Oscars weren't around then. <laughs> we can't do it. But no. we the originally the first the first Academy Awards in 1929 were split into two uh, two categories for Best Picture: the outstanding outstanding picture, outstanding um, production, outstanding production, which became Best Picture, which became Best Picture. Very good. Um, and then. Um, Unique and artistic picture, best unique and artistic picture, and so there are three films in that category yes. in which we are going to discuss today, and then we're going to do our our uh, best in a few categories from all of the eights. Yes, yes. All right. So the movies, uh, the movies that we're here to talk about today: The Crowd, Chang, The Drama of the Wilderness, and Sunrise. Uh, I think it's called The Story of Two People. Sunrise. The, the Song sunset. of Two People. Um, da, 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 indeed. Da, da, da. Uh, which one do you think won Best Picture? Uh, sunrise? Sunrise would be correct. It did, in fact, win Best Picture. Okay. Best or unique and artistic picture, I should say. So we're going to save that one to last. Uh, okay. These are all silent films. Uh, yes. And they they offer a different quality than than the other than other films. Um, I feel two of them do. One of them I found to be just a movie. Interesting. Uh, are you referring to The Crowd? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to start with that one anyway. So this is directed by King Vidor, who's quite famous, I, I would say. Well, he's a king. He is a king after all. Uh, and John John A.V. Weaver, also written by King Vidor and John A.V. Weaver, starring Eleanor Boardman, James Murray, Bert Roche, and Estelle Clark. Palmer, we're going to switch things up a little bit. You tell me what this movie is about. Uh, this movie starts off with our lead with our lead man getting born. Benjamin Button style or regular yeah, style? Yeah, no, no, he's a baby. Um, it flash forwards a couple of years to like him in his early teens. You see a little bit there and it kind of flash forwards. Basically, you get sped through his life up until adulthood. He becomes an adult, falls in love with this girl. They get married. They start mm-hmm. a family. Yeah. They laugh. They cry. He gets fired a lot. He gets fired they a have lot. A, they she have a kid. She cries a lot. Yep. She cries a lot. They have a kid in true pre-1940s Hollywood fashion, a complete left turn out of nowhere, and the kid gets run over by a car. What was that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was watching this movie last night, and it was about it was about 1230 Twelve thirty, twelve forty-five in the morning. Woke you up, and that it. happened. And you almost got a text at like one o'clock in the morning, going, "What the heck?" <laughs> this I was really actually surprised by. I should I shouldn't have been surprised because unique and artistic picture. I should have expected something different, like a different bent than the other films. But I, I wasn't for whatever reason. 
but the cinematography in this film was awesome. Like the like the shot where so it goes, it, it's going to go into the New York skyscraper for the first time, mm-hmm. and we've got you know, and it's just um, cameras just um rising for, uh, you know it's just uh, vertically um up and up and up in the building and then it goes right in through the window and then into and then into, into the like big the room office. with all the desks right. and then the camera cranes down you know right in and it oh, weaves okay. right in like that's so impressive yeah. for the late 20s you know for some reason i i discounted that in my head cuz it's just, it's a shot that i think we we're very used to now yeah but but still, like I was trying to be cognizant of the time frame. Sure. And I think I think the only thing that kind of took me out a little bit from a shot like that, and it happens again um, when he goes to the hospital when his kid's getting born, mm-hmm. is those entry shots. While they're really good and very cinematic looking, yep. they don't really adhere to the reality of a room. Sure. Yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and I think there was another scene where they were like, where they were going up or down stairs, mm-hmm. where the stairs just looked impossibly long. Um, well, have you been in a skyscraper in the twenties? <laughs> because those things are big. Um, but yeah, this this film is beautifully shot and pretty well acted. For actually, I thought Boardman was outstanding. Yeah, like she was so good. And in full disclosure, I mean, if given the choice between a talkie and a silent film, I'm going to choose the talkie. Just because I I guess maybe it's just what you're used to in a lot right. of ways. You know, silent films have gone a lot by the wayside. But I was really enraptured with her performance the entire time. Yeah. And sometimes that's that's not easy when you're not used to this particular style of film. Yeah, I will say, like, because we've done six silent movies. Yep. Because the other three from, from 1929, uh, or 1920, yeah, 1929. Um, and out of all six of them, I think there was only really one that I didn't like, and that was, this, I think, Seventh Heaven, where I found it just a little bit long and drawn out. Seventh but, Heaven was, yeah. Yeah, but for the most part, like, this clocked in at about an hour and a half. And, yeah, you kind of feel it because they fill, like, ten minutes with what feels like 30 minutes worth of stuff. That was really my only, like, pinprick in the film was that so much story happens in an hour and a half that it was a little, like, the breakneck pace was overwhelming, I guess. Like, so it didn't really, the film didn't really allow moments to breathe because you were just constantly moving to the next phase of their lives. But I feel like that's an inherent flaw in the to- in the silent films. Mm. Oh, with this they're just trying to fit everything in. Right, because they they have to do so much to because you can't keep cutting to a cue card yep. or a title card or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so you got to do a lot through the acting and being able to talk and kind of get the gist of the conversation without it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think that's an inherent flaw in the silent films. But at the same time, once you kind of get used to it, it's fine. That's true. As the film went on, I got used to. Although I think it was more breakneck at the beginning, and then yeah, once he w- were, once he was married, they were speeding through his life. Right. Um, I do. Mm, I I lost what I was going to say. It's almost like the sequel issue that you see a lot in films. In, but not even sequels necessarily now, 
but maybe like 80s and 90s sequels like you got to go big you got to have more you got to have this right. you got to have this and so the silent film is like we ha- we have an hour and a half it's so much time let's put all the things yeah let's put all let's put all the things um it was funny as i was watching this and um sunrise i was reminded of the futurama episode where Zoidberg shoots a movie with his uncle oh, Harold, Harold Zoid. Zoid. I it's love like, that. You got to emote all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I um, that's a that's an excellent um, that's an excellent episode. <laughs> yeah, Harold Zoid. Yeah, the vaudeville whatever. Right. Yeah, man, I haven't seen that um, episode in a long time. The set pieces in this I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the wife's family is uh, mob is tied to the mob. Because like he he goes through a period where he's where he lost his job or he actually quit his job, mm-hmm. and he didn't get another one. And like her brothers who don't really like him come over and they're like, "Look, he's part of the family. We're gonna give him a job." And they don't say what the job is, so I can only assume it's a hitman. It could. I feel like <laughs> if it's almost like a headcanon thing where you know like you're looking at it and being like, "This, this is very possible that it's the mob because you're not specific," but. We have we have this entire man's life to go through, so we don't have time to be specific. <laughs> I, so the, the scene where she contemplates leaving him, mm-hmm. and she goes outside with her luggage with her brothers, yeah, and she goes back inside to talk with them, and they wait like five minutes, and they're like, "Well, she's not coming back," and they just throw her luggage onto the steps and leave. <laughs> oh my god, people uh, were crazy back then. Yeah, no this I'm, this was. Like I said, I've only disliked one of the silent films that we've that we've seen. This was very good, and if you can if you can watch silent films, because I don't think there's a lot of people out there that can nowadays. Mm-hmm. I agree, tension spans not there. Definitely watch it. Yeah, I, I, I said. Especially for, especially if you know the limitations of cameras in the twenties, yeah. and then watch what they did in the difference, like cutting between and editing between models and um, real people. It was, it was really great. Speaking of real people, uh, Chang, a drama of the wilderness, directed by uh, Marianne C. Cooper and Ernest B. Uh, Shudstack. Yes, sure. I can't read my own writing. The guys who did King Kong, those guys, the, the original <laughs> is the guys the, who did King the Kong. Guys who did King Kong, yeah, written by Ahmed Abdullah uh, and starring locals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, these were real locals. Um, it was shot entirely in Siam uh, and pickups in the Central Park Zoo. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Most of it was shot in si- Most of it was shot in. Most of it was shot. Um, overseas, and then they had they had to do some pickups in the Central Park Zoo, and when this the, so the, the Chang drama of the wilderness is basically a f- a it's, mockumentary. It's not a mockumentary. It's a faux documentary. It's a faux documentary. They, ha- they did say like for the most part they shot, you know, they let the cameras kind of roll, but if something didn't happen the way they desired it, they would reshoot it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So, I mean, that's kind of like a documentary. Although the guy wasn't, like, the guy wasn't as primitive, I don't think. No, he was actually quite accomplished. He was a doctor. And the, his, the, his wife in the movie was his real wife's friend, actually. Okay. I know so, the kids were his kids. The kids were his kids, yeah. Right. And so, and what was the monkey his monkey? Bippo? Bippo, the monkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's basically like the life of 
the life of this a jungle person of jungle person yeah because he lives they, out in the jungle because that's their big thing no man can escape the jungle right dun, 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 dun. Dun, the jungle the jungle um over and over and over yeah. again um i enjoyed it i mean it's kind of funny when it's like they would like cut to like they would cut to Bibble the monkey or whatever his name and the monkey's it, talking and the monkey's talking he's like well somebody help me it kind of reminds me of those um those disney documentaries that yeah. Disney puts out every year. Oh yeah, on on uh, Earth Day. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It kinda like they like we follow this one panda and yep. look, he's talking. Every time they cut to the monkey, that's what it reminded yep. me of. Um, every time they cut to the monkey, I just imagine one of them going, This could be an entire movie. Oh, definitely. <laughs> imagine him thirty Tall. feet big. <laughs> but you can see that you can see the um you can actually see kind of the like the DNA of King Kong yeah. in here. You know, this fascination with primitiveness and, and and jungle and 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 the dangers of the wild and then I guess even the way that they would like plow through like the jungle to film stuff. Right. Was kind of like the main character in King Kong whose name the main adventure in King Kong whose name I can't remember. Um was inspired like by the director, one of the directors right. of this film because they would just what dangerous animals? Let's go! <laughs> and as one would film with the camera, the other one had a shotgun, like yes. ready to protect themselves yeah. at all. And times. one of them had malaria. I'm not surprised. How much uh, time throughout they spent the in filming the of this, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the one flaw that I found in this movie. Um, now, don't forget, we're at the time of black and white, mm-hmm. and we're at the time of silent film. And this is strangely shot in monotone. It's got a weird color scheme. Like sometimes yeah. it's blue and then sometimes, sometimes it's, it's red. Yeah. And I think it has to do with what's going on. Because like the scenes where like they were they had fire that they the, were red. The elephants destroyed their village. Blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were sad. Yeah, that's kinda, actually. That um, was actually filmed with a model and they got a bunch of baby elephants to run it over. So if you look at the elephants, yeah, they or they they they, had, they don't have tusks or anything. They're just like child adolescent elephants running through a <laughs> running through a model. Yeah, this is essentially the Jungle Book. It, parts of it, yeah. yeah, parts of it certainly. Man goes into the jungle. We need fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of build this trap to catch Shere Khan. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of exactly what we exactly wa- what I saw. That's kind of what we watched. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I it made me question like. How much was real and how much wasn't, and yeah. what was staged and what wasn't, and you know, and some actually some of the stuff with the animals. Even I was particularly impressed with watching the animal stuff was really good. Ultimately, this is this is just a miss for me. Um, I don't know. There was just something off about it for me. Probably because it's a faux documentary. Like, I think that's what it it's is. It's not like a it documentary, but it's not a movie either. Like it doesn't try and present itself as a documentary. I think it does. I don't think it tries to like come off saying this is completely real. It no, that's true. It doesn't, but it doesn't say it's completely fabricated. Right. Either. And it's in this weird kind of it's in this weird kind of ground where at times it's I'm like artistic like him, and unique. Like him chopping down the tree. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, this is a good peer into the, their lives. And then later on it's like three scenes, you know, with the jaguar that they're trying to trap. Or a tiger that they're trying to trap, uh, and I'm like, "Who's the idiot that thought leopard. leopard? Who's the idiot that thought following this leopard was a good idea?" <laughs> uh, good point, actually. 
Good point. And that cat was so confused when they tra- <laughs> it was like, when oh, he was no. in the snare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. I feel so bad. Um ultimately, yeah, you're ultimately it was fine. It was fun. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is only an hour, so it's not It's true. It's not it's kind of, you know, yeah. it's it's if you got an hour, it's it's again, technical achievement. Well, yeah, 20s. you shot in the freaking jungle. You saw, you, I mean, people have problems shooting in the jungle today, today, right? And people try to avoid it because it's so hard. Yeah. So the fact that we're just watching them do it then, so cool. Yeah. Um, Sunrise, a song of two humans, directed by F.W. Murno. Uh, thank you. I thank you. Of of. I, I am I supposed to do what? No, I don't know. Who? What? What? Who? You don't know who this guy is. I feel like I should, but I don't know. W. B. Mason? I don't know. Nosferatu. Ah, I knew that name was. I knew the name was familiar. That I'm so sad. I'm. I'm. I've saddened myself. Yeah. Like as, as soon as I like. As I didn't. I just... didn't. I didn't look it up. I think I watched this one so late. I was like, don't care who directed this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> A guy. Uh, a human being, yeah, one who is not in it, yep. yeah. Oh, uh, I love Nosferatu too. Yeah, that's Nosferatu also. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nosferatu twos. <laughs> that's sad that that movie's never gonna that we're never gonna ha- get to watch that movie in this. Oh, in, in this, this podcast, yeah. I was gonna say, I'm like, we can, we like, can, it's available. We can just go I, watch. I it own it right on Blu-ray. There. I'm staring at a Nosferatu <laughs> pop right now. He's in my line of sight. <laughs> And I have another one over there in the other <laughs> room. Um, uh, anyway, um, written by Carl Mayer, actually based on a scenario by Carl Mayer, starring George O'Brien, Janet Gaynor, Margaret Livingston, and Bodil Rosing. Um, again, we're going to break form. Tell me what this movie's about. Mostly because you watched them yesterday, so they're fresh in your brain. I really did. Um, so this is about a guy. Yep. Who is cheating on his wife. Yep. And so his side piece yep. is, I believe, what the kids refer to it as nowadays. I don't think they do, but continue. Um, they call so, her the woman from the city. They do. In the thing. Because she's even from a, the city. She doesn't even have a name. Nobody has a name in the cast. The, the woman, I know, but hers is. Like, I mean, like, but he's the man. Right. And, and she's the wife. Right. And, you know, but like. Um, the so woman the woman from, from the, the city, city has an idea. They can be together. He just has to kill his wife. That's right. Classic story. Right. Classic. We've all lived it. Continue. We did. And so he takes his wife out uh, onto a boat where he's going to shove her off mm-hmm. and she's going to drown because apparently she can't swim. Yep. I'm assuming because they don't actually get into that. That's correct. Um, he decides not to kill her. That's right. And then they go off for the day in the city. Mm-hmm. And the story from when he decides to not kill her to them just going off and enjoying the day mm-hmm. becomes a little thin at that point. I agree. Because it's, it's just following them throughout this essentially date of them it, falling in love again. Yeah, they're learning to, to re-fall in love with themselves. But I think the, the it's so interesting and so well shot and and really creepy and... like The, the very beginning, like the way the man acts... Mm-hmm. Like when he's decided to kill his wife, mm-hmm. like he's very hunched over. He like there's a there's a myth or a there's a rumor mm-hmm. that 
uh, during have you heard anyway. during those portions of the movie mm-hmm. that he actually um, wore like shoes made out of cement hmm. to kind of stilt his his movement Whoa. to keep him like very like um, hunched hunched and, and very plotting. slow paced. Yeah, that's cool. Um, which and, you know, we didn't have to swim. Which with the fishes. Gives, you know, since he hired an actual vampire for Nosferatu. That would make sense. You know, that would Shadow of the Vampire is a great love movie. Love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. I that I do believe we watch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's uh, go. That's <laughs> the best news I've heard all day. So and I had a good day. <laughs> so he you know, so when he decides not to kill his wife, they go to the city, they go mm-hmm. to this fair, they jump on like for the first few parts, like she's very worried because she knows he was planning to do something and right. he didn't. Right. And she kind of goes running off, and he goes chasing after her. Um, but there's a scene. There's a scene where they go to like a barber shop, and he yep. gets like mm-hmm. a shave and a haircut. Yep. And when he comes out and of she's that, because the, the woman in the city is in that the, is the, that that's is her. The, yeah, that's okay. her. But when they come out of there, like he looks completely different. Like I He's thought, a good barber. I thought this woman ran off with another man. You're like, oh, this took another twist I wasn't expecting. Um, but it just goes to show, like how how adept he was at creating two different sides of this character mm-hmm. and showing them on screen to the point where one looks unrecognizable to the other. George O'Brien, what a guy! Um, even the director, I think, uh, like I think he had a hand in that. I'm sure. Well, and now that F.W. Uh, F.W. Moreau, now that you've like actually reminded me i guess right. this time very odd but talented, talented yeah man and and this one had like a bunch of stuff like you had picked out with um with the crowd mm-hmm. but like there's scenes where like he's he's thinking about these things in his the, head the editing and you this, have yeah. all of this like the the overlay the overlay, the overlay of images yep. at the time mm-hmm. you know oh so uh I think th- I as soon as so he's thinking about killing his wife and the over like so the ghost I guess for like right. apparition of the woman from the city appears over his shoulder yeah. and I was like and that's why this movie was nominated right there yeah, like that, that is editing. very artistic extremely and I don't like all these movies that we've seen in this era yeah I couldn't tell you if we've seen that again for even, a long time even at the very beginning where like they're showing the title cards of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and it's like a picture of a train, yep, or a train station. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I know it's going to go into the train station because that's what modern filmmaking would have done. That's right. And it does, and it does it in a way that I'm like, this is this is at the very beginning of filmmaking. That's right, beginning. But yeah, but when recognizing it as a right. legitimate art form, I guess if you right. want to call it. That. And I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. Like it wasn't it like it. It it flicked like a switch mm-hmm. into that real life train, and I'm like, that was amazing. Um, couple couple nitpicky things: the train and the um, the cable car that they jump onto, or that they run alongside of. Which so mm-hmm. the train yep. and the cable car before they actually use the cable car, and I think it's like a prop, seem a little too big for the for the world. Okay. Very nitpicky. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, that's like that's how well this movie was shot in my mm-hmm. eyes. That it's just a few nitpicky things. Other thing I want to know: um, 
so the, the the scene in the city where they're on the cable car mm-hmm. and you see the traffic kind of going all around. Mm-hmm. It made me think of this. Were there no traffic lanes back then? Go back and watch any movie oh, with like I, no, <laughs> they were not. They were just at that. They were really just at that period where we're transitioning from horse and carriage right. to we're transitioning from horse and carriage to car. And and rail and all that, but they hadn't really established lanes of traffic yeah. and laws of like traffic. Like you would yet. see a car come up alongside the the. You could be killed at any moment. Cable, right? <laughs> yeah. Like and actually, that's one of the scenes. Like them running through traffic, I thought was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, really well choreographed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you actually. Um, so I mean, there's only these three movies, so let's just do it. The uh, award for best. Um, or the most unique and artistic picture goes to Sunrise. Sunrise, yeah, yeah I think it totally deserves Hands it. Down. And the crowd was good. The crowd was the really crowd, good. The crowd was more of a movie, and this mm-hmm. was very artistic display of a day in the life. It's also it's an allegorical it's an allegorical tale, right? Because yeah. you, you you have like you said they don't have names. They're the man and the woman and the woman from the city. So every single thing in the story represents something else. And so like he's going to drown her and so you've got to read into why drowning? Why not do this? Why not do that? Right. Right. All these different all these different things, you know, um and and that's best and best, most unique and best Absolutely. artistic. The, the shots, the editing is really, it's even, really well shot. The whole, even the way they do some of the the some of the uh, um, conversation cards. I don't know what the hell those are called because I I want to keep calling them title cards, but I don't think that's what they're actually referred to. Mm, no, they're um, uh, now that you've asked me to tell you Great what job, they teacher. are. So teach silent film. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, for lack of a better term, the title cards uh, throughout the movie, like there's one where there where he's thinking about drowning her, and the text drips down like water. Oh yeah, that was great. That and was also, great. Um, if you notice, those get less and less f- frequent the longer the movie goes. Mm-hmm. So once once he really decides to not kill his wife, there's almost there's very little of it. But you know exactly what's going on, and you know the conversation they're having. They're called intertitles. Intertitles, okay. Hmm. Yep. Also known as a title card. Nailed it. Yeah, I guess the, the real... Yeah. Quote, in the era... I. Uh, in the silent film era, intertitles were always called subtitles. So even though, even you know, though they inserted into the, you know, film, it was funny. And I subtitles. thought about that. I'm like, why wouldn't they have just done subtitles instead of those? But I'm like, you didn't like if they if they could have done that, they probably could have just had regular sound. That's right, exactly. Just the overlay. Oh right. my god, to think about like overlaying every single frame right. with the correct dialogue is just maddeningly yeah. long. Would never want to do that. Um, all right, so that's 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 season two, everybody. That, Bye. Nope. Until oh. we want to talk about the best of the best of all the eight. So we're just okay. going to do a couple of act. We're basically just going to do the we're going to do the the big oh, categories. The big categories. <laughs> we're just going to do the categories that the general public seems to only care about. Even though, personally, 
I I get more invested in stuff like production design and costumes right. and like I because that to me we're is gonna, we're going to do the important one. So actor, actress, actress writing, writing, and, overall and, movie, sound mixing. <laughs> all right, I didn't do sound mixing. <laughs> um, all right, and then are we doing audit, like our oddest choice for like? Yeah, let's do that one first. Okay, because I feel like we have the same one. Okay, so we'll do we'll do a three two count. Oddest uh, film. We, why was this nominated? Yep. Three, two, one. Sayonara. Whole... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really pick Sayonara? I pick Sayonara. Oh no! I you have underst- you have Ricardo Maltabon as an Asian. That the, I can what under- the hell? I can understand why that movie was nominated. I don't agree with it, but I can understand. Oddest film, The Full, Full Monty. Monty. Okay, I can I can see your argument on that one. Yeah, I was initially going to funny go with- movie. Why were you nominated? <laughs> I was initially going to go with Juno. And then I was afraid I, I was going to get attacked by actually. I one almost of our went, listeners. I almost went with Juno, though I all. But I I do understand why it was nominated, and I like Juno a lot. I know you don't. I do. Um, no, the full the full Monty was just it. Just I was very especially that year. That year it kind of felt more out of place. Yeah, it just didn't fit with the other films, and I I just didn't get what it was offering as a best picture. Um, Funny, I just didn't get it. So, um, so anyway, so that's the oddest. So let's do actor, actress, writing, movie. Um, okay, so okay, go ahead. Um, best actor, my poll, Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I could, I can definitely. I think it's a it's a classic performance. It's it's classic quality human acting like it's some of the most natural acting i we watched in any of these movies right he's not doing a thing he's not um he's not putting on airs he's just he is literally embodying a real person Mm. and and not you know, not like Winston Churchill or anything. He's just he right. just feels so authentically true. So I'm giving yeah. it to Robin Williams. I wanted to give it to Charles Lawton for witnessing the prosecution as oh, the uh, he was so good as the movie. main lawyer. Yeah. However, I'm going to give it to a man who shows up twice this year in Spencer Tracy. Man who came to dinner. I'm gonna give it to guess who's coming to dinner. Guess who's Although I really like a hilarious play. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Um, I really like both of his both of his um, acting in the different movies because it was guess who's coming to dinner and Captain's, Captain's Courageous. Oh, he was so good um, in that too. But he like he is the standout star of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and especially knowing like how like how soon after that he died Mm -hmm. and how he was very sick at the time that to give that kind of performance, it's just, Mm. it's amazing. So good. That's a good point. That's an excellent, excellent pull. I like that one. Best actress. You can go first this time. Best actress. And it's, I'm sorry. I just love it so much. Kate Winslet in Titanic. I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. I almost said it. I love Kate Winslet so much. I can't. I'm not going to fight you on this because I know I'm not going to win. I don't get it. She, she's fine. Kate Winslet is an excellent actress in that movie. She's fine. You need to. I think you need to buy her in that. 
in you that know, movie I, to accept that movie as being really good. You know that that's. I think you need to buy both of them. Yeah, and they're both so accomplished, and I just have a hard time buying them in that film. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why either. Because you just like redheads. No, nope, that's not true at all. And I. I really like Titanic, yeah. but yeah, there's something about the two of them in that movie I just can't get my head around. I also thought about Minnie Driver from from Goodwill Hunting. From Goodwill Hunting, because I also really love film. her. I love her accent, mm-hmm. um, and accent I think she's really necessarily good. not make the. It can, but no. She, but I mean, I just, I just wanted to say I love. I wanted that out in the world. Just I wanted, love her you accent. Just to say that, you so love when her she accent. listens, she knows. How I feel. Well, speaking of good accents, um, my pick for best actress is Saoirse Ronan in Atonement. Ooh, yeah. Because she... I always forget she's in that movie. As a child, yeah. is leaps ahead of some of the best actors in any of these categories, in any yeah. of these films that we watched all through the years. It's a, You know, it's amazing because I haven't seen Brooklyn, although I'm going to have to in season four. Mm-hmm. Um. But, like, the movies that she's in, this, uh, Lady Bird, like, a lot of the movie hinges on her. Yep. If she's not believable, the movie kind of fails. Mm-hmm. And even though she's not the main star of this, she's the catalyst of the movie. Exactly. Exactly. And she she really sells her place in the film. Yeah. And and she really she earned her nomination. Yeah, um, definitely. Everyone go watch Atonement. You know, even if you didn't think you liked it the first time, mm-hmm. definitely watch it again. Agreed. Um, uh, best writing. Um, I'll go. Yep. Um, it, I'm giving it to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 1968. Uh, okay. Yeah, I. I, this was really tough because there are some spectacular films across all decades in here. I almost gave it to Twelve Angry Men, oh, um, yeah. which is also really. I just, I just like the relevancy of of it still. Yeah, and there's some films that are still relevant. There's just something about this film that just kind of stuck with me. Okay, um, and I think it takes. I think it, it also takes like the actors involved to really you know, push it and sell it and make it something. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I guess who's coming to dinner. Um, my sentimental choice would be Goodwill Hunting. I, I almost gave it to Goodwill Hunting as um, well. But I'm going to go with The Goodbye Girl. Oh, interesting I, choice. I do really love Explain. that movie. Um, that's one that people might not remember what it is. If that's you... the one with Richard Dreyfus and actress whose name is escaping me right now. <laughs> You're the worst. What that came out in the that came out in 77. Yeah. So that means um, I don't think she's a famous actress, that's why. Um but I, I think you're wrong. Um, but. She goes through she goes through a breakup, her boyfriend, husband, um that movie was great. I love Gives that away movie. the apartment. That was best actor for Richard Dreyfus. Was it? Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Goodbye, girl, starring Richard Dreyfus and Marsha Mason. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Um, so good, you got her name right. So her husband, boyfriend, leaves her and kind of gives away the apartment to Richard Dreyfus, um, leaving her no place to live. And Richard Dreyfus allows her to That's, to yeah, stay there. Great movie. Um, it is very well written. It is it is funny. It mm-hmm. is tender. It's like the kind of epitome of opposites attract rom com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's kind of the springboard for the for the rest in my eyes. Yep. Um, even though that's been kind of like the thing from back in the olden days. This sure. just really works. Written by Neil Simon. Uh, based on the play by Neil Simon, I'm assuming he also did the screenplay. I believe so. Um, I, but I'm already past that page. Yeah, so, but it's very good. Yeah, it's Neil Simon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. Um, so then, best film, uh, best movie, uh, you get to go first. Titanic. You think it's Titanic? Out of, without out of a doubt, these... hands down. I'm not one to, I'm not one to place importance on numbers or records, but there's a reason why this movie ha- is is tied for the most Academy Awards of all time at twelve. I will remind you of that. No, 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 let me finish because I've worked this out. Now it is tied with Ben Hur, which is an epic, mm-hmm. which we're gonna watch and we'll see if that holds up. And it's also tied with a movie that was just given the awards because they didn't give the awards to any of the other two in the franchise in Return of the King. If it was spaced out a little bit more, like it probably should have been, Return of the King shouldn't have gotten all 12. Mm, I think because... I they I mean, we could talk about that when we get to those films, right. but I think because they were all filmed at the same time, they're filmed by the same... Like it's the same right. team, it's no, the same... You know what I mean? I understand like, why they waited. You kind of just do it as a whole Right, round. I understand why they waited, but like, there's some of those that... The awards that they've got while I think Return of the King is the best one of the three, I don't think it should have gotten the twelve that it did. Mm. That like to me that was like here's your here's your lifetime achievement awards. Sure, I I understand your point. I don't agree, but I understand right. your point. I was actually going to say I want to remind you of that when we get to Gone with the Wind. You know, one of the you know the still one of the highest grossing films of all time. If it just only for when you adjust for inflation, which that I never matters did. though. That like that adjusting for inflation matters. You know, because it shows like how many people it affected. That's like if you're looking at it from that way. And but so I mean, from so from the how many people it affected category, yeah. I completely give you Titanic. Right. We'll like we'll I, get into that when we get into Gone with the Wind. But let's let's yeah. not forget there was less competition back then. That's true. But that and there was no home video. That's true. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't it it. It's, it has stayed with the public. Right. You know? No, I know. And I that know matters. You, you know, yeah. because I could make your argument, same argument for Star Wars, which I did not choose as best picture. As well, you should. But I, but I could make that argument. And I didn't choose it because, like, your point being, you know, like, your point being, you know, like... It's big, it's epic, it's um, the amount of people it's affected, right. like all this money that's made, blah, 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 you know, the award, the awards and so on and so forth. Star Wars has stayed within the public consciousness. It's a important piece of film history, but that's not necessarily mean it's the best film out of all of these right. films. And so I, I had a really hard time with this, and I'm actually not totally sold on my choice here. Okay. Um, but I'm going to give it to Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Now, as you say that, I want everybody who's listening now to pause this episode, go back to our 1998 episode, and let us know if Tim actually chose Goodwill Hunting that year because he's not sure. Yeah, I honestly don't remember if I gave it. To- <laughs> I don't think I did. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, you went I'm, with Titanic. I might have gone with. I might have gone with Titanic. Peer pressure. Be- 
I think it's because in my mind, sometimes the best picture is the grandest picture. Yeah. You know, like, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just my current mood. But like I said, I'm not totally sold on giving it to Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. I just had a hard time. I was staring at all these films, all of these really remarkable films, and I had a really hard time not going towards Goodwill Hunting. And there are some films, particularly, um, particularly some older films that I that I I loved mm-hmm. um you know it, but they just some of the even something like Miracle on 34th Street which isn't you know I don't think is a better or worse film than Goodwill Hunting it's just right. different and so because they're all so different it's really hard to yeah it's really hard to decide um the way I looked at it was Titanic was was to me the front runner and then I had to see if there was anything else that beat it. Um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I really liked. But I think I actually chose In the Heat of the Night that year. And I don't I think, think Titanic I, I, I does. Think, I think you did. I think Titanic easily beats In the Heat of the Night. Witness for the Prosecution, I really liked. Um, Captain's Courageous, I really liked. But again, like I don't think it was the best out of that year. Um, mainly because that was one of those where, like, the um, the life of Emil Zola, mm-hmm. I was what I believe I picked. It was good, and it was good enough to be like, well, you're the one that they gave it to. It was good out of that list, right? But that- you're the one that they gave it to, so um, you kind of have that edge. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you, Cheech. Cool. All right. Okay. So that wraps that wraps up season two. Yep. Um, we will be back. We're going to take a little bit of hiatus because we've got to build up our repertoire of films again um, so that we can then (laughs) talk about them. It takes a long time to do this. Um, Especially since, you know, the next, because they'll have already been released by the time this comes out, but we're doing a, we're doing a current year Oscar Mm -hmm. and that's nine movies. And then the next episode we do is also nine to 10 movies. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time. Yeah. So, um, so we will be back in a relative amount of time to you. Great. Um, <laughs> um, I, to us, I, it's already in the past. It'll keep, basically, <laughs> um, it'll be about a month, uh, and then we'll, yeah. and then we'll be back. So uh, you can find us on iTunes and, of course, all of the places that podcasts can be found. You can rate and review us there, please. Um, you can also find us at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com and find out all of our other Thought Bubble Audio shows, including Tolkien TV Talk, Beer with Geek, Supergirl TV Talk, um, Starkville House of El Krypton, Hate Watch with Us. Hate Watch with Us. There are so many. It keeps growing. <laughs> I think there's another one coming. Um, this, so It's going to get to the point where you're going to have to do a separate podcast just to list the podcast. Just to list the podcast. What I should do is just record it and then insert it into the <laughs> editing. Lord knows that would make it easier or more difficult. Um, and so it's a real Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> um, What's and, he doing in that box? Get out of there, cat. Um, no, cat, get out of here. Um, and that's about that's about it from yeah. that's about it from us. So I believe they are playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Bye. Bye.